0: Seattle Kraken expansion draft is right around the corner. Can they replicate the Golden Knights' success? The Cubs begin their sell-off as Peterson is now a Brave, who's next to lead Side? And T-Dog brings his golf game to the Dallas MGA, and there's only one thing to say about that. This guy sucks. Grab a beer and hit the couch, sports fans. Sports, 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 sports sports sports. It's time for another episode of Monday Morning Couch Potatoes. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mundus. Bring it in your face sports talk from Chicago, Dallas, Las Vegas, and beyond.
1: And go Bears!
0: And listen in to find out who'll get run over by this week's SmackWagon. Uh-huh. All that and more coming at you on this week's episode of Monday Morning Couch Potatoes. Here are your hosts, Ron L.V. Wrights and Timothy T. Dog Wiltberger.
1: Here we go another day of podcasting on Sunday night for Monday Morning Couch Potatoes. What's up there, potato heads? What is up there? First and foremost, I just need to crack into something that I'm doing right now cuz oh, yeah. it's important. It... There we go. There we go. Ice cold, baby. Ice cold, truly. Get yourself get yourself a cold one, couch potato fans. Cuz we got a lot to talk about this week. We have NHL expansion, Which is, you know, middle of the road for both of us, because, you know, do we really care about the Seattle Kraken? They they were higher ranked than uh, Buffalo this year, weren't they? Absolutely, (laughs) they were. They were one notch ahead of Buffalo. And then we also have a little MLB. Things are starting to change, possibly heat up, possibly cool down. It's going to be a lot of former Cubs, I'm thinking.
0: Maybe, maybe not.
1: And then, of course, we've got to talk a little bit of NFL uh, situations. Possibly movement. Maybe even adding a second team, maybe? Third biggest market.
0: The Arlington Heights Bears, maybe? Ooh. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? The
1: ALBs. The ALBs. The Albs. The Albs. Kind of rolls off the tongue. So yeah, let's get started. Uh, what do you want to start off with, there, T Dog? Oh, we for almost forgot. Last podcast, I mentioned that I was going to be on. I was going to do the MGA, which I did, and I wasn't going to tell you my score. And the T Dog joined North Dallas MGA. I
0: don't That's know if right, he, baby.
1: I don't know if we got any uh, clips from there, but I'm sure it probably sounded very similar to um, this. And my aching nerves! Really, really? Oh, well, I did just see, hit that forty-five yards. and see that one coming. Yeah, I'm sure no one saw the t dog coming.
0: I don't think I hit it forty-five yards half the time. It was, it was, it was pretty ugly. I mean, uh, it's it's safe to say that I played the worst golf that I've probably played since what? The nine hole North Las Vegas. You remember that when we first started? Oh yeah. It was that bad, man.
1: Well that bad. <clears throat> North- you got the results in front of you? Yeah, I do. North Dallas, the FU Open 2021. Uh was at a what golf course was it at there, T?
0: It was called the um oh, what was the name of it? The Bridges Golf Club out in Gunther, Texas. Uh North of uh, Dallas, about a good good hour jet from from my house, just yep. under an hour.
1: Okay, it it was a Saturday, eight a.m. shotgun start. You were with the the actual um, presidente of the North Dallas uh, chapter.
0: Yeah, I got to play with Greg Madrid and and Jeremy Ramey. Um, and actually, the the morning didn't start off great because my uh, my buddy he. His alarm didn't go off, Ugh. and he didn't hear me calling him. He was going to come pick me up, so I'm looking at my watch, going, "Shit, I got to get up there" because I didn't want to, you know, just walk up right when we're getting to the tea box. Yeah, so uh, called him a couple times. I'm like, "All right, I'll tell you what. I'll just guess. I'll just meet you up there." So I head up there, and I don't I'll get up there about 20 minutes to eight, and and uh, Jeremy gives me a shout. He obviously he recognized me. I don't know how, but I was walking the the other direction, and he gave me a shout and said, "No, back over here. Here's your cart." and I said, I don't know if my buddy's making it or not. I haven't been able to get a hold of him. Well, he was, we figured it out today. From his house, it was about 58 minutes to get to this golf course from his front door to the golf course. He left at like 7.10 and got there at like 7.53.
1: So he, he was doing, he was, he was doing,
0: yeah, he was hauling I'm not going to say how <laughs> fast he he's, he was really going, in oh, case yeah, there's just, any Dallas police officers listening to our podcast right now, you don't want to get him in trouble or nothing. No,
1: but, but I'm uh, pretty no, sure he, he was, math.
0: oh, he was fucking racing. Yeah, do math on that one. That was pretty damn fast, but he, he got up there right in the nick of time, Um, but he forgot his socks, <laughs> so he had cool. to stick what? his, his hooves into his uh, golf shoes without socks and, um. You know, I grabbed some cold beer and we, and we hit the course. I actually, I I grabbed him and his clubs and we ended up, we started off on the 13th hole, you know, didn't think much of it. And uh, man, the first hole was a clear indication of how the day was going to go. So um, why don't you run through the rest of the scores and then uh, we'll get to uh, what happened with us.
1: Well, the FU open was held uh, July 17th at 8. AM first and foremost, The winner of the FU Open was Gary Davis with a solid 85. Won $1.35 for being the winner. Followed up by Billy Castro, Patrick Wasson, Sean Norfolk, Eric Vigara, Luke Majewski, James Mann, Tom Weaver, Mike, I don't know, Pear prior Brian Linder yeah, prior Greg Madrid is solid solid 92 with 10 cents yeah. Alan a lot Brian Peck Clay Weems Lonnie Taylor Jeff Abishabrenner, Patrick Alter Oh no you don't get a you don't get a shout out you didn't earn any money It ends at 16th place overall uh total looks like uh 54 total players uh, Greg Davis is your winner. Most mediocre is Clinton Purdy. Biggest meltdown was Brian Turchie or Timothy Wilberger. Longest drive is Mike Pryor. Closest of the pin is Brian Peck. Gross award goes to Billy Castro. And the key to the red tee, Corey Loman. So, I can tell. Now I will tell you my score for the Las Vegas uh, 4, which is uh, we played out at Peyton uh Painted Desert, uh, I believe you played that coerce a few times there. T dog in your past, I have. Yep. Um, that was a that was a July eleventh start Sunday shotgun seven a.m. Got to get out there early to beat the heat there. T dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, your winners are your winner is Richard Cardozi again. I was going to say we keep hearing that name. Yep, two time winner James, Maisato probably. Jacking that up, but I don't even care. Came in second, Joaquin Makius. In third, Larry Rogers, Dustin Burns, Jeremy Mattson, Daniel Biggs, David Barkansas, David Shapiro, JT Koo, Keo, Eric Kulner, Matthew Graham. Scott Flanagan, Eric Hamilton, Eric Lamont, El Presidente shooting a solid 92, Will Carrillo, Ray Polino, Nick Bird, Chad W., and that is it, you bastards. You get nothing more beyond that. But there was 55 totals. We had two DQs. Uh, Your winner was Richard Cardozi. Most mediocre is one of my friends that I've known for a very long time. His name's Brian Sweeney. You probably met him a long time ago. There, T Dog. Biggest meltdown, Mike Sliff or Slife. Uh, we're talking. I think it was seventeen stroke meltdown.
0: <laughs> oh, and that's where from one front nine to the back nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the meltdown in ours was thirteen. Longest. Still pretty, you know. Yeah. Pretty significant.
1: Oh yeah. Longest drive, Jeff Boggs, closest to the pin, James. My sato gross award is Joe Nielsen. That's the guy I played with good old Joe. He he's a realtor actually is what he told me. And he actually didn't suck. Uh, Julius Rigoloni gets the key to the red T. But yeah, Joe Nielsen did a solid uh, DQ. I think he ended up shooting like a 78. Talk about this guy sucks. So um, yeah, so I ended up shooting a 92. Now a 92 in your event would win me about that would get me with Greg Madrid and and ten and eleventh place overall. Mm-hmm. In yeah, ten cents in mine, a 92 would have got me thirteenth place and six cents. Beauty. Now the t dog. I think I you I think we need to go down further, though.
0: A little bit. A little bit. So the last four guys, um, so you you tell me where you think I finished. You have 51st 51st was Ryan Rawls that shot a 120. 52nd was Brian Speed. Sounds like a NASCAR driver. Shot a 122. Mm Mm-hmm. 53 was Jacob Ishmael shot a 127, and 54 was Corey Loman shot a 130. So what do you think I shot? Was I, was I 51, 52, 53,
1: 54, or worse as far as plays? You're, you're definitely not worse. Okay. I don't peg you for a 130. I peg okay. you to be 51, and I would think that you did not shoot a 120. I bet you shot a 118. Okay. Awesome, dude! You are way the fuck off. <laughs> I
0: shot a one thirty one. What? You would have <laughs> yeah. won the red key. I would I've have never won, had that in my first tournament. I would have officially won. Well, actually, I take that back because Ed shot like a one fifty something. <laughs> <laughs> so he would have actually had the red key if we were truly members of the. Oh MGA. my god! But. Solid I, I, showing, T Dog. Dude, dude, think about that. Think about that. I literally, I think I had a 35 through the first four holes. I had max on at least, I thought it was like five or six. Um, Was it a hard course? Ed told me it was, no, don't. That's my point. And see, here's the thing because I know, I know my boy Jeremy and I know Greg, you know, is going to listen to this hopefully. Um, you need to give, you need to help me out, brother, because you got to help tell these guys I'm really not that bad. I, I mean, it just it was horrendous, dude. I couldn't get anything going, and it, it was a great time. I mean, Jeremy, Greg, awesome dudes. It was it was really a lot of fun, and I, and obviously, you know, I I ran a a, uh, a golf outing for like six years. You remember? You've been in it a yeah. couple, two, three times. Uh, golf poker outing that I did, so I know how hard it is to run these, and especially you know, this type of stuff where you're doing... I mean, I did it once a year, all right? Yeah. These guys are doing it every month and, if, you know, longer, and there's other things that are involved. So yeah. I know how hard it is to do it. So, But just a great, you know, they put on a great show. There's a ton of great guys there and and women. We had some women in there as well. So, um, you know, I got to admit, cool time. Uh, Jeremy and Greg, great guys, man. It was just real fun to hang out and bullshit with them. I mean, laid back. There wasn't any, you know, nothing. I mean, I they... I, we were honest. We we're like, hey, you know what? We suck. I didn't realize I sucked that bad. <laughs> oh you know, I, I I can't. It's, like I said, dude, I
1: don't know the last time that you shot a 120,
0: 1- like a 118. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just a 118, you know? So, so it was just, it was a, just a nightmare. Um, so I don't know if it's because, you know, I was got loaded the night before and I stayed up till, you know, two in the morning playing video games. I don't know if it's because my ride didn't show up or. Who who knows dude it was just you know just a shit it was an show off day yeah yeah from from oh my god it was beyond an off day i'm day, sure
1: so. i'm sure the guys you were golfing with were were like let's go dude how many shots do you need in a hole just pick up
0: I, actually no 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 actually they they just you know they, at the beginning they said hey you know we got the the mercy rule or whatever you want to call it the the max rule which is 10 and you know what <laughs> and if I was there, I picked the ball up and I went and cheered them on, on the, on the green and, and say, hey, on, nice yeah. butt, guys, as I was standing there with my dick in my hand instead of my putter. So, yeah, I mean, and there was uh, a couple times where, you know, uh, I mean, I had one shot where I hit, you know, now granted the course was pretty wet and, you know, there was uh, a lot of sod, you know, stuff they were, you know, they were, they were repairing the sod and shit like that. So yeah. there were a couple spots where it was pretty muddy and mushy and you hit a ball. I mean, I hit a ball and it literally went. You know, three feet up in the air and came right back down. Oh no! And landed in the divot that I made that I was shooting. So, I mean, it was you know. But I'm not blaming the course. I did, I'm not blame. I only had like three or four beers. Can't blame that. Uh, it was um, it was just a, a shit show. So, I, I, I've got some work to do. My work cut out for me to get to the driving range and work out some kinks. But uh, I I guarantee I'm going to put it out there right now. It's on the airwaves. I guarantee Jeremy and Greg. I will shoot better next time we were out, and I will beat a one thirty one, and I can confidently say that mm-hmm. because, dude, if I shoot a one thirty two or higher, I think I should, I shouldn't sell my clubs. I should burn them, <laughs> or throw them in the trash or whatever. So, so awesome time, but you know what? Bob Barker said it right. This guy sucked absolutely, on absolutely.
1: That was a lot of fun. No, 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 I'm happy you were able to get out there. Now you were able to meet the. Uh, the North Dallas MGA chapter uh, president. Uh, you also right. uh, played golf with the uh, Las Vegas chapter president. Uh, comparing mm-hmm. presidents, though, oh, what's your you know, thought?
0: You know what? But obviously he can he can strike. You know, I mean, he shot a what he shoot a ninety two great, and I'm, I'm surprised Jeremy shot a one hundred two. I didn't. He was playing great. That must have come towards the end when I was you know not paying attention since I, I was playing shitty golf myself, but. Because um, he strikes the ball well, obviously, and and so does Greg. So those well, guys, um you know, they play well, but
1: they also probably uh, had some strokes on them that they'll get if you're you, you shoot in the 90s, you're going to get strokes. So 102 probably wasn't really a score; could have been more like a 98 or something.
0: Oh yeah, that that makes more sense. Actually, I think you're right. I think he I think he actually shot like maybe a 97 or something. So yeah. that's adding the the handicap. Then yeah. So yeah, but. um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was a great time. Um, you know, hey, I got to play golf with both both presidentes and uh, a lot. You know, guys are obviously you need um, to be. I mean, what what Greg told me is he typically the newer guys come out and play with him the first time out just so they can kind of you know get a feel for him and you know, you know, so him you can out check and them out. Him, yeah, nice. well, not only that, but also tell him how the how the um, you know, and and hopefully that's you know your how you play is not indicative of whether you're invited back again which it shouldn't be considering it's mediocre but um but yeah good, both great guys you know i could see this is why you know th- they're the presidents of these leagues cuz they uh uh really uh, really well to get along with and you know like i said it was it was good time to just get out there and and swing the clubs i'll tell you what it was probably the the complete opposite of how i would have been had i been shooting that way just out you know on my own or with, you know, with friends or whatever the case sure. may be. I probably would have, I probably would have walked away. I probably would have called it and said, I'll see you guys in the, in the 19th, 19th hole. Cause something yeah. is not right today. So, but I didn't enjoy it. And like I said, it was a good time. Um, unfortunately
1: the score didn't show that, but nonetheless, it was a good time. Well, nevertheless, there is quite a bit of MGA tour action out there. There's still uh North Dallas, actually Texas has about seven or eight chapters. Vegas has one, Uh, And we have a Pahrump as well and a Reno. So for the state of Nevada, we have about three chapters. For the state of Texas, I believe they have somewhere upwards of seven or eight chapters. So uh, reach out to your local chapter and uh, join and have a good old time. Uh, You know, you might be lucky enough to play with the uh, El Presidente of the chapter and uh, shoot a 131. You suck. Well, here is 132.
0: 130, I think I should, yeah, exactly. Well, here is the thing that is friggin' that I just realized. The North Dallas Bradish Open 2021. This is one that they're playing on July 31st. It is at the Tour 18 Golf Club. Okay. Which is, that's the course where Liz's, uh, my wife's aunt bought their house. Oh. They live, they live on that course. Very nice. So I've got to play. I've got to play in that one. Oh yeah, I gotta get. I gotta get with Jeremy and and Greg and say, guys, I need. I, I need. There's where I get. So here's the thing. I'm literally gonna put put. I I just said that I will beat the 131. Right. I put it out there. I would be playing on one of the toughest courses <laughs> in North Dallas. It literally is 18 of the most amazing holes. It's, it's got. It's got. You know. Uh, Amen Corner, like down at Augusta, it's got oh, really? the seventeenth at at um, uh, what you call it? the Water Hole.
1: Yeah, that it's oh, a replica at, at, of at players, the players. Yeah, yep. it's it's a replica of all like all of these
0: challenging holes around the the world. So that's where I'm going to go try and beat. So I'm going to have to say I'm going to take back what I said. If I play in the North Dallas Bradish Open, I will probably shoot more than a one thirty one, but that's okay. Because that's, you know, I'm going to have some fun. And if I am playing that bad, then I'll just, you know, veer off course and hang and out to, at the over to the aunt's house aunt's, and yeah. have a few beers. There you go.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's playing it's playing at 8718 Amon Corner, Flower Mound, Texas. Entry fee's a little steep, man, 110 bucks for yeah. a summertime course, but I'm sure it's worth every red cent. Yeah, go. so reach out, uh, get online at uh, mgatour.com. Well, we have this uh, just in. I'd like to thank our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service. When you want something expensive thrown on your porch and stolen, you want the U.S. Postal Service. Trade deadline strategies, man. MLB, trade deadline coming up. We've got some interesting, interesting games. Uh, Chicago teams, there's one team playing really well, and there's another one that's not playing so well. I mean, I don't even know how to say it. That,
0: I think I think we
1: know who that is. So we talked about that. Yeah, two two uh, spectrums, <clears throat> and we already saw one of the um, dominoes start to fall for Chicago Cubs. Uh, we saw Jacques Peterson get traded away. I don't think he was doing that great, anyways, for the Cubs. And I don't. I, maybe it just takes a little bit for him to warm up. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, he gone. He gone. Did uh, you say Jacques? Jacques. Like French? Jacques yeah. Peterson? Yeah.
0: I think it's Jacques, like, you know. Like jacques Support your nuts while you're
1: freaking playing. Well, he wasn't yeah, supporting he anything. Yeah, he gone.
0: Not not, not surprised by that. Um, this is, and, and it's funny because when we talked about the Cubs and, you know, what they're, last week we talked about them as far as the losing streak sort of making it, you know, making up the mind of of Jed Hoyer to make some moves on this team, I think Jock Peterson was it was an obvious one. You um, got you got a, you got a uh, minor league first baseman back for him, uh, raw but has some potential. There's going to be there's no question. There's going to be some other moves, even though you look at the Cubs schedule like over the next several weeks
1: because they're playing Arizona before the deadline. Yeah. Right,
0: they're playing Arizona, which they lost today. Yep, um, they did. They did beat win the first two games. They won the opener after a stellar pitching performance from one of the hottest pitchers in baseball, Kyle Hendricks, <clears throat> John Mandala. I hope you're listening. So Ooh, um, but him. here's Damn. the thing. Yeah, so they're playing against Arizona and a struggling St. Louis team. Then they have another three against Arizona in Chicago. So literally, you know, let's just say the Cubs, right now they're nine games out. So they would have to sweep St. Louis and Arizona to make up a good chunk of that and put themselves in a position to challenge Milwaukee by by sweep, you know, getting some wins against Cincinnati. Like it legitimately could happen.
1: But is it worth it though? Is, is it, it juice worth, it? Exactly. worth the squeeze right here? Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. Because you're gonna have teams that are really going to start knocking on the Cubs door um, you know, for for some of the folks, some of the guys on their team. And none other than their closer, Craig Kimbrell. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, I think he's he's in the top 10 as far as overall saves. He's the only he's only one of two pitchers right now that have over 300 saves that's pitching uh, that's that's actually active. Uh, the other being Kenley Jansen of the Dodgers. Um but he Kimbrel is p- pitching like not like the guy that was on the Cubs the last couple of seasons, right? He's pitching like he was back for the Red Sox and when he was the, you know, he's an, this guy's an eight-time all-star, Ron. He's, he was yeah. he won rookie of the year. He's a two-time reliever of the year. Uh, led the league in saves, I think, three or four years in a row. Um, You know, he's got an immaculate inning, right, where you have three outs, nine pitches, three strikeouts, right? So he's a great – he's going to be – an there's an opportunity for a team out there that needs that back-end bullpen help to bring him in, even if they have a closer. Um, But I think it's going to be teams that are looking for him to kind of close it out for them. And if he continues to play the way he is right now, the Cubs are going to get offers they can't refuse, even if – they put some wins together. They string some wins together here with St. Louis against St. Louis and Arizona. Um so yeah, I think it's gonna become increasingly tough for the Cubs to 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 not make those moves. Um but I'll tell you what, I am I'm starting to really think that the big three, or you could call it the big four if you want to throw Wilson Contreras into it, even though he's not a free agent at the end of the season. But yeah. um you know the big 3 uh the big 4 let's call it Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant and then Wilson Contreras. I think that these guys will still be on the team before or, or rather after July 31st. Really? I really think they I yeah. really think they will. First of all, definitely Contreras mainly because you know mid-season trades for catchers not a you don't typically see that, right? I mean because there is value in a, a catcher having a good rapport with the pitchers that he works with and everything else. True. You bring him in mid season, you know, how long does it take for that to ramp up? Right. So it's not, it's not something that's necessarily a, a good thing for a team to do in the middle of the season. Plus he's got an extra year of control. So you literally could wait until the off season if you really wanted to unload him and try to get something for him um, and not have it, you know, some team give you a, a shitty return really. Um, and I think that, you know, in the case of of Rizzo, Baez, and and Bryant, I think Hoyer realizes that there's really just no way he can lose all three of them um, at the end of this year, let alone at the All-Star break. You know, I think he really needs to figure out how he can keep at least two of those three in a Cubs uniform with, as I had said before in previous podcasts, with that being Rizzo and Baez, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, which, which if yeah. I, if I yeah if I were to rate like who's possibly gonna go I think first of all definitely Crick Kimbrell. Davies I think is definitely gonna be is gonna get some uh, looks because he's pitching well um he's on you know he's on a one-year deal and then and then if it was out of the other three guys I think Bryant is probably the most probable simply because there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna be after his versatility which we talked about last week um, but then as far as bias and rizzo I really don't think those guys are going anywhere. So that's just me. I guess we'll see how the next couple of weeks play out, but it's going to be nuts.
1: No, you're absolutely day. right. The, the, the real question, though, with the catcher, and you make a really good point there. You know, he's he's got to have some kind of rapport with pitchers and stuff, and have that you know that chemistry. The only way you're really going to pull a catcher into your mix is if you had an injured catcher that you needed, right? Or or right. you were going to. Trade the catcher along with a pitcher to the same team?
0: Could be. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, if, you know, let's just say if, if John Lester was going to be traded, you know, he'd probably say, well, you got to trade David Ross too. I mean, he's my catcher, right? I mean, he's like his personal catcher. Yeah. So, you know, wherever Lester went, Ross probably would have went too if they were in a position where those guys were going to be traded. Um, but that's just, that's just a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that have to go right in order to come up with that scenario. So realistically, it's just, you know, it doesn't mean you don't see catchers traded at the all-star break. It's just not all that common. Um, you know, and, and so I, I just don't think that they're going to get enough back to make the Wilson Contreras deal worth it. Uh, you've got some, you know, if they do start moving some, uh, assets, especially like, Davies and maybe Kimbrell and maybe even Ryan Tapera. Um, you're going to have some young pitchers coming up, and you want a veteran behind the plate to sort of really that's help true. them along yep. here in the sec in the last couple months of the season. So you don't want to lose what you have with Wilson Contreras. That's going to help that that young core. So no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, stick. that's
1: a good point. I, I mean, there's been some rumors scuttlebutt about Bryant possibly being traded to the White Sox. Mm-hmm. That's the Mets po- are calling are calling about it too. Yeah. I mean that's a that very well could be a possibility. I mean he has a lot to offer, and positions and positions that the White Sox could probably sure up. You know some of the places mm-hmm. he can play. Um, so that should that is interesting. That might be one of the moves the Cubs. It obviously we are we are calling it now. Cubs probably are on the lookout to offload some money, mm-hmm. um, sure up some other. um Key players and maybe even backfill some of your, uh, you know, your up and coming. You know what I mean. Get that farm system going again, like you, like you used to have. I mean, you were bringing up yep. players left and right, and now I, I don't know how many you know decent players you have in the top fifty. Um, but you know, you may you may want to look into it. I mean, your your run for the the World Series, you know, died in twenty sixteen. And, uh, or not died, but you know, it died after 2016. I uh, just hadn't been able to get those pieces clicking again with, you know, some of the second year players and, and, uh, you know, the big contracts that were being paid out. They just, it just didn't click. But I can tell you right now, if John Bandala is listening, which I he usually does, uh, Kyle Hendricks, man, is number one tied for first with 12 wins. Uh, he's tied with uh, Julio Urias of uh, mm-hmm. LA Dodgers. Dodgers for the Dodgers of 12 wins. He's got four losses. ZRA is a little, little high 3.65, but uh, started 19 games. That's not high.
0: Now that's not high. In, in, I mean, that's high in today's day is that's not high normally. I mean, three, six, five is not bad. I mean, we, the way pitchers are pitching in, in, in the league right now, you know, that's seems a little high, right? That's probably more like a low fours based on how things are going. But here's the big thing with him, Ron. You, the way, what I look at is quality starts. Yeah, and he's got 14 quality starts in in, in the 19 that he's pitched. And a quality start is when you go six innings, and you have three runs or less. So he, you know, he may not be dominating teams, right? I mean, he's not striking out more than seven strikeouts per nine innings. So he's not like these guys that are 10, 11, 12 strikeouts per nine innings. He's not gonna, he's not gonna overpower you. Um. He's, but he's not giving up a ton of walks. He's only got 23 walks allowed in 111 innings. By comparison, Zach Davey has walked 52 in like 14 less innings, right? So he's not going to overpower you. He's going to use place the pitch where he wants to place it. Um, he's going to induce the ground balls. And 14 quality starts is pretty damn good uh, when you're looking at you've only started 19 games.
1: Well, the, the great thing was is you called it. You know, you called that he potentially has a opportunity to, to finally get that number one starting position, and though he started off a little shaky, just like the Cubs did as a team, uh, he's come in pretty strong, coming uh-huh. you know just coming out of the uh, the um, All Star break. So, uh, you know, hopefully, many more wins for him, and and uh, the team can you know make a uh, a decent, like I would say if you guys ended up third overall, I think that's actually pretty good because I think when we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, at the beginning of the MLB, I think, I don't think we had the Cubs top three. I think they were bottom. I thought, yeah, obviously we, we were leaning towards with the white Sox, obviously having a better record than the Cubs and that's proving true. But, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Really, because we highlighted a lot of the Cubs' issues that they had, uh, one of them being pitching. Um, but the one guy that, that stood out to you, T-Dog, was uh, Hendricks. Hendricks? Hendrickson. Yep, Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks. So what do you think about Jason DeGrom, man? New York Mets. This guy has uh, got a 1.08 ERA. He's only allowed 40 hits. He struck out 146. Uh, he's only walked 11. He's only given up one home run, or no, excuse me, six home runs, and he's only hit hit a player, hit a hit batter one per one time. I mean, this guy's having a phenomenal season. He's only seven and two out of fifteen games started, so obviously his defensive his defense is really uh, squandered a lot of a uh, lot of his possible wins. But uh, this guy's having a uh, MVP type season, don't you think? Well,
0: I think so, but uh, we've got some breaking news on Jacob de Gram, sir. Ooh. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Hold
1: on. Breaking news? Breaking news on Jacob de Grom. All right. Hold on. Hold. Hold on. Oh, you weren't ready. <laughs>
0: bring up jake jacob deGrom. the new york mets have placed him on the 10 day injured list retroactive to july 15th with tightness in the right forearm so you just got done saying all these nice accolades about him and yes he is having a phenomenal season um but he's got you know they did an mri this is uh, from this morning they did an mri and said that uh, he's got forearm tightness there's no structural damage but that's that's the only thing that's been holding him back this year because he's had some injury issues he's missed some starts um, you know he's made 15 starts so he's probably missed about three or four starts because of injury and okay. this guy's super frustrated right now because he's obviously making a run at some history here and he's having you know it he's he's very competitive and so he's really just he's down right he just doesn't know what to say it's just it things he felt the tightness I think in a bullpen session he was gonna have Friday or that he was having Friday. Um, and uh, this is something I think that he had going on just before the All-Star break as well. So he's a two-time Cy Young winner. He's was having arguably one of the best starts uh, in, in quite a while, but unfortunately he is going to be on the shelf for a bit. Wow.
1: That breaking news yeah. really came through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you have German Marquise out of Colorado. I'm only bringing his name up because he's, he's leading the league are yeah. yeah i think leading in the league in um complete games he's got 3 so far there you go i think those complete games though the year of the complete games is pretty much you know gone to the wayside it's obviously pitch count trying to save that arm and uh you know yeah. r- really truly uh, you know uh, rely on your reliever you know or your mid your mid um your mid uh you know the relievers that come in for the mid relievers yeah well, look at yeah. The-
0: well, look at your boy on the south side there, Lance Lynn. Our eyes are going to be on him. He's, he's got a sub-2 ERA. It's 1.99, but it's still sub-2. And he just got paid. Two years, $38 million.
1: That's funny. I don't have Lance Lynn for
0: ERA. No, yeah, he's, he's got a 1.99 ERA. Well, that's this is American League. Maybe you're looking at the National League.
1: No, I've got but him. I've got he's him. He's
0: nine and three in sixteen starts with a one ninety nine ERA. He just signed a two year contract extension for eighteen million. or sorry, thirty eight million. Well he's um,
1: he's having a good good year and, for sure. Yeah,
0: and, and the White Sox even have a two, uh, a eighteen million dollar option on twenty twenty four. So he's got the potential if he continues to pitch well, but that would be his age thirty seven season. So that's questionable, but. Um, million dollar buyout there, so he's got you know thirty eight million, thirty eight million dollars to play for the White Sox beyond this year for a couple of years. So they like what they see in Lance Lynn. He's pitching really well. Um, I think he's uh, he's won over a hundred games in his career. He had a lot of that success with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that they're the they picked him in the first round of the draft. Yeah. Um, and if you and you remember Cardinals, you know LaRusso was his manager uh, when he broke into the majors. You know, when they won the World Series back in, what was it, 10 or 11?
1: Yeah, so maybe he's feeling comfortable with, you know, La Russa and and the decisions he's making. Um, I mean, the White Sox are doing something right. That's for damn sure. Uh, They're leading the the Central. Um, I think they're like, what, eight or nine? I got to go back to the stats, but eight or nine games. Eight games up. Eight games up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all you can do is just, you know, it amazes me with the amount of players, and, and we've noted this on last week's podcast, it, it, I'm pleasantly surprised on how well they're doing. They've won two in a row. The last two were against Houston, which was a big one because they, they, couldn't, they couldn't win shit against Houston. On the road, over my birthday, they they got swept, and they kind of went in a little bit of a funk, but they're 56 and 36, 20 games above 500. Best record in the American League. Are they right now? Oh, yeah, tied mm-hmm. with Boston, 56 well no but i mean they've
0: got two two less losses oh, good so they God. really by percentage wise they have the best record in the american that's league that's true so. seven
1: and three over the last 10 their differentials 124 i mean every guy that's getting up there is is just you know making an impact you know in a positive way um you know and you were talking about lance lynn but you know don't forget about you know carlos Rodon. He struck out ten and only oh, yeah. allowed one hit as the White Sox I a strong second half run for the playoffs. So combined uh, team effort for a one hitter. Rodon's eight and three with a two point one four ERA. Uh White Sox end up winning today four nothing against Houston. They've got uh you know a little bit of a stretch moving forward. They're um, I'm trying to see their schedule right now, but uh their schedule let me get to it here real quick here.
0: Well, while you're looking that up, I mean, you brought up Rodon. It's a good story because he was almost pretty much left for dead at the end of last season, right? I mean, he's dealt with injury problems um, a lot over the last several years. I think the only full season he had was in his sophomore year in 2016, uh, where it didn't even hit 30 starts. So, I mean, last year was just brutal. Um, He only had a handful of starts in 2019, so... They were really, I mean, this Rodan needed this, right? Oh, yeah. To, to sort of re- rebound, and for him to be in a position he is right now where he's pitching really, really well, Um, you know, good for him because he needed this for sure.
1: Yeah, well, the the White Sox currently are going to be on a three-game set uh, versus the Twins Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Then they take on your beloved, hated Milwaukee Brewers on the road, a three-game set over the weekend. Then they uh, travel to Kansas City for a four-game set and then back home to end July against the Indians. So they still have an opportunity to actually gain some more ground on their current lead that they have, and they can probably possibly take off some games back for your Cubbies if they end up winning a few of those games in Milwaukee. But the oh, yeah. White Sox, you know, they're doing everything they can and everything so far right. I mean, what what does that say about their – their manager. I mean, the amount of grief that this man has received over the last, you know, start of the year is about his drinking and driving. And yeah, you know, he's a he's a, you know, a Hall of Famer, manager slash player coach, everything. And uh, the team seems to be um, bonding well with him. What do you, what's your thoughts on that, Dirty Dog? I think he's an idiot. Yeah. Besides that. <laughs> because I I, I've I've played some video games with a drunkard person in my time and I could tell you most people who are drunk are generally idiots naturally but well, you know that is a good point it's a good point but when you're sober you actually make sense and so when he's sober <laughs> he probably makes sense too I bet you he's a very smart baseball mind when when he's sober he you're might well right. you know besides the one incident with uh, Mercedes, you know where he where he basically told him don't hit that ball you know made a big deal besides that one little hiccup there i haven't seen too many other you know um mistakes that he's been making and the team has been responding pretty well as far as you know small ball long ball what whatever kind of ball they need to do to get runs across the board they're doing it and i haven't heard much obviously he's not on the front burner right he's on the back burner nobody really gives a shit Uh, You know, if Mm -hmm. you're basically, if you're winning, you're not going to, no one's really going to question you. You you know, if you're playing, if you're playing and winning, the team is winning. Maybe, maybe the story changes if, you know, the White Sox were in last place and just playing like shit, which they very well could have with the amount of injuries that they had. Lewis Roberts Mm -hmm. is out, you know, um, your boy who was the Cubs player, what's his face? He's, He's back. He's going to be back soon. Um, Eloy, he'll be back yeah. if he's not, you know, already back. But he should be back soon. He's already doing his rehab in the minor leagues. So at the end of the day, hey man, if you can prove uh, your team to be a winning on the winning pace, I don't think anybody really gives a shit anymore as far as, as your your past, you know, issues well, at this winning, time.
0: You're right. Winning can cure. There's no question about it. it. can cure most ills, right? I mean, it just can. If you continue to win, you know, things, I mean, that's why a lot of people look the other way with some of the goofy shit that Sammy Sosa did because the Cubs were winning and he was hitting home runs. Well, then when it got towards the end and the Cubs were losing and he was striking out and, and that, and, you know, somebody took a baseball bat to his, his radio and assault salsa music, right? Losing will do that. Um, but you know, don't forget that the White Sox players, even some of the veterans, were sort of, they were definitely in the anti LaRusa camp with this whole Mercedes thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you know, when he came out and he said, you know, uh, respect the game. You know, if you're, if you have enough runs, respect the game and, and sportsmanship and, and so on, and so, so forth. But none, no, none other than Lance Lynn, when he, he came up, you know, he said, look, there are no rules. You know, when a position player is pitching and, you know, These 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 unwritten rules are just not there. Right. Um, And so, you know, of course, La Rosa came out even publicly and said and it was sort of a shitty response. Right. He basically said, look, Lance has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree with him, (laughs) which he can say, which I get that. Right.
1: That's pretty good, though.
0: But you are really as a leader. okay? you're only going to be as good as the people that are under you and how much better you make them, not only just at the game of baseball, but just overall. And in a sense, he's trying to do that from a sportsman's sportsmanship perspective. But w- let's face it, he does not have the, tra- the track record when it comes to young players and how he handles them. He just doesn't. It doesn't mean he doesn't handle them all well. It just means he just has a real problem, some sort of and I don't even know what that is, you know, with handling these younger guys. But remember when they they signed him? That it was kind of a surprise. Everybody's like, "Wait a minute! We got all these, you know, young young guys on this team. You know, these these personalities and yeah, yeah, and the personalities. And you got this guy coming in who's you know he's crotchety and he's setting his ways and it's my way or the hard way, and it's more of a dictatorship. Um, Yes, it's been successful. It's a recipe that has worked for him and others, but it doesn't necessarily is going to work in every case. Because the White Sox are winning right now, Ron. I think that's why we don't hear too much about it other than a few of these peeps here and there where, you know, like I said, you know, Lance Lynn and um, uh, who else? I think Anderson came out and said, keep doing what you got to do. You know, they, he had a lot of support and managers pretty much, screw you guys. I'm the manager. Well, guess what? If the, if the record was flipped, I think there'd be a lot more, uh, scuttlebutt and a lot more shit going on in Tony La Russa's, uh
1: Well, there very well could be. Corner, you know, so. uh, Adam Eaton actually was released by the White Sox. Um, I thought I thought he's a perfect locker room guy. Get he the, is. Get, yeah. Yes,
0: he is. Yes, he's got the reputation for that. No question.
1: No question. But he, I believe, he asked for a release and he got it. And obviously, he just wasn't. It, obviously, that. Well, I wouldn't say obviously, but it would be. Interesting to see if that release was more geared towards, you know, working with that type of manager uh versus, you know, what he's had in the past, you know, I mean, you got a, a locker room uh, guy that, you know, brings a team together, but wants to bounce, especially you're on a first place team and you're playing well now. Granted, maybe some of these young kids that are coming up that are, you know, next man up mentality and actually playing well and doing well, maybe maybe affords you the opportunity to let one of those guys go. Um, there's a lot of personality in that locker room, you know, with Tim Anderson and and uh, Aunt Jemima. I'm Aunt Jemima. What was I going with Aunt Jemima? What the? F- <laughs> little, ah, okay. little, uh, little. St- <laughs> she's been. She's been. Uh, Jermaine. Anyway. Jermaine die. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Orange Meme has been canceled. The, the poor lady. I think. I think. I think it was ridiculous. Uncle Ben. I was trying to get. get he was to. canceled too.
0: Oh, it's ridiculous.
1: Well, anyways, with we cancel oh, culture, there, there goes there goes Adam Eaton. He's out of there. So uh, let's just say that the White Sox are doing what they need to do. But the other thing we have to worry about is what is what is Seattle Kraken gonna do? About the expansion draft. That's um, let's talk some hockey. Yeah, because at, right now the expansion draft protection list has just been released. So yeah, yes, it has. So just to, just for anybody that's listening, as far as NHL goes, and I know this is not T Dog's favorite conversation, but
0: yeah, but but this shit I love. This stuff I love. I love the oh. the the drafting and you know who's going to go where and trying to work. You know I'm
1: a numbers dork, so the you know who's going to try to you know how do you work the, in? There is some the players interesting. Their, absolutely. So yeah. So there are there are 17 players that the Seattle team can can pull from. There are some available players out there that I was actually quite surprised looking at the list. Now I don't know if you were able to have any time to look at this list. It did just come out pretty recently. Um, Mm -hmm. they must choose 30 players, one from each team, and must take a minimum of 14 forwards, nine defensemen, and three goalies from the list of unprotected players. Now, let's make it very clear. Vegas Golden Knights do not participate in this expansion draft as they were the last expansion draft in NHL. So that being said, there are some players out there I was like, Okay, this is going to be interesting. I think Seattle will actually have a pretty decent team. So, well, yeah, can they? Go ahead. Well, that's that's what I said in the
0: opener. Can they pull off of Vegas? Right? Are there are there enough names in here to do what Vegas did? And you remember Vegas's first pick? Well, I don't know if he was the first pick, but they're well, they, well, pretty much the key pick, Marc Andre Fleury. Right? Sure. Who would they get him from Pittsburgh? I think they got him from Pittsburgh. Yep. Okay. Obviously a very key piece to the success that Vegas has had. And when I looked at the list, there was one name that jumped out at me that say, could he be the, the Mark Andre's version of Mark Andre? Okay. And you know who that is? Yeah,
1: I think I do. But you tell okay.
0: me. I bet you do. No, I bet you do. And it's a guy that we've actually been talking about at length over the last couple of Few podcasts that when we had had podcasts, um, you know that was on the losing team in the finals, and that's Carey Price of Montreal. Carey Price, I'm, I didn't see. It. Let me look. I'll have Carey to look. Price of Montreal is available and is on that list. He is he. We talked about how well he played up until he ran into the buzz saw that was Vegas. Okay, right. Could he be their Andre Fleury?
1: Right? Oh, Yeah. Carey Price. Yeah. He is on that list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who were you thinking? Uh, Brayden Holpe. Hope Oh, yeah. He is, uh, the goaltender. I didn't see Price on that list. Uh, I was scanning through it real quick, but Brayden Holpe, sure. uh, for Vancouver. He was yeah. the winning, uh, um, um, you know, Stanley Cup winner for, uh, the Washington Capitals and, uh, goaltender just a couple of years ago, since 2017. And I was looking at it going, hmm, that's a interesting. But Carey Price, American. there's actually a few players out there that have cleared the no uh, waiver clause so they can be a part of this expansion draft. Um, there's a few players actually on Montreal that they could take. One of them is uh, Shea Weber, a really good defensive player. Carey Price, I, I would have to say Kerry Price. You're absolutely right about that, T Dog. I would say Kerry Price for sure would be a um a goaltender that you want to pick up. He played Well, it's funny Go ahead. He played tremendously well. Um, but obviously Tampa Bay just overpowered him. But at the end of the day, that's one of those guys that you just you cannot let you cannot let go.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Some of the names that I've seen on this list, you could, you can see it's a it's a gamble, right? I mean, some of these teams that were looking to protect some of their young players have some high-priced veterans that they've put out there in hopes that the dollar amount yeah. will scare off the Kraken as they've got to figure out how to stay within, what is it, $81.5 million. And Price, I think, is going to make it over $10 million, I believe if I'm not mistaken, what I read earlier. So, you know, if you're going to do that, if you're going to put that investment in there, then obviously that, you know, some other team that's got a, a veteran out there that's making a lot of money might is, is going to see if, uh, you know, they p- call their bluff that they put those, those guys out there. I mean, I saw some interesting names. I mean, James Van Riemsdyk is on that list, p, uh, PK Subban. Yep. Uh, defenseman from the Devils, um, uh, Van Reensdijk for the F- Florida uh, forward. Yep. Or not Florida, Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers. Yep. Um, Mark Giordano from Calgary. Yeah. Was the one that kind of stuck out. And then um,
1: the other one I got. I got uh, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Tarasenko
0: uh, from the St. Louis Blues. That was yeah. another
1: one. Yeah. yeah. Tarasenko. I was really surprised. But, you know, my, my son was saying he's done with St. Louis, he's ready to move on and. And he yeah, made he, he was one bit. of those that he wanted to – he waved his no uh, no move clause. No move, yep. And uh he waved it so he can be potentially picked up by the the Kraken. But you know, like uh Kevin Shattenkirk, he he's a a very decent defensive player for Anaheim. Um he was on St. Louis. It was one of those pickups that they picked. Um the other one, like the coyotes, you know what I was really shocked but- about the coyotes?
0: Well, before you get to the Coyote thing, you know, what you just said is interesting because, you know, about Tarasenko
1: wanting to leave, but he wants to go to a contender. So, you know, he does, but he puts himself at risk. And that might be one of those plays, uh, T-Dog, that you're saying maybe the Kraken will take him to trade him to another team. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Another, an opportunity to do that and then maybe
0: get some more assets and yeah, 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 absolutely. I
1: mean, that's what, that's what the golden Knights did. They were able to pick up players or take players that, Oh, just don't take this. I'll give you a first round draft pick and take this player. I'll throw in this player. Um, that's one of the things that benefited the golden Knights because, you know, this is unprecedented, uh territory with the golden Knights and they did everything they could to to gain as many uh, draft picks as possible, and uh, you know another one. Getting back to you, got uh, Nicholas uh, Jarmelson, or yeah, Jarmelson Jarmelson Yalmerson. Um, he's another one that I was like, okay, you know, he's you know he's a good mid to. He's not young, young anymore, but he's a decent defensive player. But the one person I was shocked actually for uh, Arizona to, to keep. Was Phil Kessel? I mean, that guy's been around forever, and uh, he's protected. You know, he's, he's not your boy, man. He's not leaving. You know, he's not leaving Arizona. You kidding me? And then the Bruins, Taylor Hall. That that kid right there could be an opportunity for the Kraken to take a a decent uh, forward. Who hasn't been playing, he he was traded to the Buffalo Sabres and they dumped him because it just wasn't playing well. Taylor Hall might be one of those guys that you can build a you can help build that team around and actually get some wins in the uh Pacific division, which is obviously our division, which is well, Vegas Golden Knights division. Mm-hmm. Um and then I was looking at uh Buffalo Sabres. I was like, I wonder if uh Cody Eakin happens to be on that. Buffalo Sabres. Um, he was once part of the original uh Colin Miller was one he's a very hard hitting defense. Another one once part of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um as you said, Calgary uh not Calgary, but you were talking about Montreal. Uh Calgary Flames. I mean, there's a there's quite a few there is quite well, Michael Stone, which is I think Mark Stone's Brother, or maybe there's no relation to them. I can't remember. He's a decent defensive player. I mean, there's there's just you're always going to have somebody, right? And there's going to be like Nino Niederreiter for Carolina Hurricanes. Is that a Niedermeyer? guy? Huh? Niederreiter. Niedermeyer? Niederreiter. <laughs>
0: Niederreiter.
1: Niederreiter. Um, is that one of those guys that you're you know you're going to talk to to the Carolina Hurricanes and say, well, we really want this guy. You left him open because you could not protect everybody. Is that one of those guys that they're gonna try to change, you know, try to trade for? Let's talk Chicago though. Let's let's really talk about what the Chicago and Dallas have to offer for the Seattle Kraken. Right now Chicago's available players are Carpenter, Conley, Dickinson, Gaudette, Hina Stroza, uh Quinville, Smith, De Linda Hall, Zadaroff, Della, Della. Deli and Michael um, Malcolm Subam. Not a lot of like off the top of my head, not anything that seems to be who you know, Chicago's going to lose a lot. They did lock in Taves, Jones, Murphy, Stillman, Lincoln, uh, uh, Bornstom, uh, Debrinket, of course, uh, Camp and Kane and Strom. Maybe you lose a Dahan for defense. Maybe you lose um maybe you lose a Carpenter. He's a he's a he's a, a decent player. He's he's been on the expansion side and he's not terrible uh for a fourth round pick. Uh the other one, yeah. dude, the other one that I thought was really interesting, uh Gabriel Landenskog from the Avalanche. I was really I just for some reason feel like that kid should be one of the protected ones, but he's not. Also, Brandon Sod is another one that's not protected. Uh, for I mean, th- that's some yeah, you know. I, if going through that list though, to be quite honest with you, I,
0: I I would say it, and I looked at that as well beforehand. I'm thinking, ah, who would they lose? Who could they possibly? I would if I wouldn't I'd be surprised if Malcolm Subban is the only one from the Blackhawks that was probably. And I'm not saying for him, he would not be number one on the death chart for. Her. For the Kraken, but no. he could certainly be a suitable backup, or even a number three, um, or even a tradable guy, right? Maybe they could find something that's one of those that you just mentioned, where you know bring him in and and work on a trade. Um, you yeah, know, that, I don't. That's hard because you know, there's
1: there's there's way better goalies out there. Ben Bishop yeah. from from uh, Dallas is actually on the uh, unprotected. Yeah, I just don't know
0: if the money you know, when you think about long-term, I just don't know if the money is going to be right for some of these names. I know, I know, again, we talked about Kerry price. It seems like the right fit. Right. But when I really started again, like I said, I'm a numbers geek and started looking at the numbers, you know, it, you'd be better off. You mentioned the guy from Vancouver. What was his name? Um, uh, Hotby, hot hop
1: Yeah. Holpe. Yeah.
0: Braden Holtby. Yep. um, you know, you get a guy like that, he's probably going to be your number one guy in the death chart. And I know he's older. I think he's in his, his 30s. Um, so you can, you're get you going to look for somebody young, you know, young as well to, to sort of be there, like maybe, you know, that Conan guy from the wild. But ultimately, you know, I, I think that from a Blackhawks perspective, I could see Subban possibly being part of it just for that, you know. Giving you some uh, veteran backup help. You
1: could, yeah, because it's, it's, he's not going to, he's not going to lure, you know, millions of dollars, right? Right. That's one of the big things that Vegas has a problem with right now. We have 12 million vested in two goalies. And there was some, there was some talk about, um, Fleury actually going back to Pittsburgh as a, or no, to Chicago. Marc Andre Fleury, a possible trade to Chicago. I saw that, yeah. Which, if that's possible, I mean that's great for Chicago. We we know he's a, a he's only what thirty four. It's not like he's mm-hmm. he's over the hill. But speaking of over the hill, do you think? Now we said Terracinco, You know that's a pretty big name. Um, but another name that I was actually should I be surprised or not? And I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it to you. Okay, you tell me what you think. I was looking at this not protected. And maybe there again, it comes to, um, maybe it comes to the, the money thing, Washington capitals. Oh, I knew you were going. Oh, you do? Oh yeah. (laughs) And I couldn't believe it when I saw that name. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? They they wouldn't, (laughs) they're not protecting him now. Is it, is he disgruntled? Is no. he no, he's working on a contract extension right now. That's you know Is I that know just his, one of the guys that you're just sitting there going first off, you're gonna put Alex Ovechkin on the availability list?
0: How does a well, Kraken in
1: not take him? <laughs> how do you well, I think how do you stay away from that? I think it's because
0: I don't think you're, you know, you're gonna be able to sign him. I mean, I don't know how some of that works, right? He doesn't have a new contract yet with Washington. So they don't as of the twenty-eighth of July, they technically don't own him, right? Because if he doesn't sign that contract with Washington, he's he's unrestricted. Right? He's gonna become an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Now, if he signs that contract with Washington, does that mean that the you know, this is the part I didn't know. Does that mean that the uh, Kraken would have to take that on? Like it, that alone would probably be like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to draft him, you know, because if he signs a sixty million dollar contract for two years or th- whatever, I'm just throwing numbers out. Yeah. They can't afford it. So I didn't get it. I didn't get a chance to really see what was the that behind. But I think it has more to do with they know there's no way he's gonna. They're going to take him because he is going to resign, or at least he wants to. So it's not about being disgruntled. Um, I know he's coming off a huge contract, you know, hundred and something million, right? Yeah. So, um, but he's going to hit the open market here at the end of the month, even though he's still negotiating with the caps and that's where he wants to be. But you know what? That's the, this is the first time he's going to be on the open market. It may be, where they're going to have to bid. So I that I don't think the Kraken are going to waste a pick um bringing in a guy that could they could potentially not get anything for because if Well that's the, how do you it think works.
1: Washington wants to keep him though? Oh yeah. Okay, then, oh, yeah. then I may, think they're maybe doing
0: that to protect somebody else.
1: Maybe you maybe as Seattle comes in and says we're taking Ovechkin. He's our guy.
0: I, yeah, but I that's just it. That's the part I don't know. And we'll have to we'll have to figure that part out cuz I don't know what that what the strategy is there, other than the only thing I could think of is that if he signs before the 28th, then the Kraken would be on the hook for whatever that deal is. So if they sign him to a monster deal, they can't work him into the salary cap.
1: You potentially, know, yeah, potentially. Yeah, I, I mean, so there there the part, are, yeah. as I was saying, there are, there are a lot of actual really good forwards out there. Um, Minnesota's Nick Bonino, Blake Coleman, Tampa Bay Lightning, Philip Deneau, who actually, you know, was amazing against the Golden Knights and his faceoff uh percentage one 52.5% uh or 53.1% is really good. Um Nick Falingo, Ryan left, Taylor Hall, Mike Hoffman, David uh Kryjek, Kryjek, oh, wait, Kryjek, I think it is for Bo- mm-hmm. for Boston, Gabriel Landenskog, which I told you had 50 50- 52 points in 54 games. Avechkin, are you kidding me? 24 goals, 18 assists. So uh, out of 54 games, 52 games, he had 42 points. Uh, Kyle Palmieri is another one. Zach Parise, Corey Perry. I mean, Brandon Saad. I mean, the list goes on and on. Paul Stasny. Nobody wants 42-year-old Joe Thornton, just so you know. <laughs> nobody wants him. I mean, there's a lot of talented forwards out there that I think you can make a decent team. That team still has to go against uh, most of our um, stuff, but at the end of the day, um, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, we're getting a new team in the NHL, and it's going to be a a battle, a bloodbath of the Kraken.
0: Plus, plus it's a cool name, actually, if you think about it. The the Kraken name is, is pretty damn good. You know, I think it's cool.
1: Well, um, just a little side note, uh, uh, just to round up this podcast this week, thank you for listening, number one, to all of our 30-plus listeners out there, or 29-plus listeners out there. Thank you for listening. But I heard a little interesting note just to wrap this one up. I We already talked about the Chicago Bears jumping to Arlington, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what about another NFL team expansion team going to Chicago and playing <laughs> well let's think about that so well first of all let's talk
0: about the bears possibly moving on a soldier field so why would they do that ron right why what's think about the biggest reason why they would do well, that well it's money well, well yeah i mean they don't own the stadium they do not I mean it's not theirs right i mean they don't own that stadium that they play in and so they've got so many rest- it's it's incredibly restrictive uh, when you have that situation, right? And you look at what they have out in Arlington Heights, and for those couch potato listeners that don't know, Arlington Heights is a suburb of Chicago that, you know, would be no different than, like, the Dallas Cowboys playing out in Arlington, uh, Texas. And, you know, it, so teams play, obviously, in suburbs of, of their major cities. They don't necessarily have to play in the downtown. Yeah. Um, but there's so much more opportunity the, the Bears would have with that that property. There's just so much room yeah. and the ability to build a, you know, a monster stadium, state-of-the-art, um, you know, the the challenge to – the Chicago Soldier Field, love it. Obviously, that's where my Bears play. My heart's there. Um, but, you know, it's a challenge for parking, and, you know, literally you plan an entire day. Now, granted, you know, part of the reason we plan an entire day is because we're tailgating four hours before the game, <laughs> but you're also tailgating for four or five hours after the game unless you want to sit in traffic. Right. Unless you want to sit in your yeah. car and just and just crawl. And, you know, because the the stadium shares all that parking with, you know, the other uh, you got the fuel museum down there. You got your um, uh, the what do you call it, the planetarium, the shed Aquarium, Grand Park, Millennium Park. All that stuff is going on down there. And that takes up, you know, there's you're sharing parking with that as well. Yeah. Um, so and it's expensive, you know, to park
1: down there and everything else. Um, well, they don't own the stadium, so you know anything that goes funnels through that stadium, they're not going to make any money off of it. So if they built right. their own stadium out in Arlington, they could then now hold concerts and hold other uh, or uh, other things, put
0: a dome on it, and you can host a Super Bowl. Imagine a a Super Bowl in the city in the, your third biggest market. They can't because the damn the stadium only seats sixty one thousand people, right? So they're never going to have a Super Bowl, plus it's, you know, freaking in the middle of the winter there, so nobody wants to play that necessarily an ice bowl for the Super Bowl. But you throw a dome stadium out there in Arlington Heights, now you can start talking about Super Bowl. You can start talking about what you said, all the other things you can do indoors, all that great stuff, right? It makes sense. And the fact that they've got, a believe, an easy, not an easy, but a somewhat doable out from their contract with the city, I want to say in twenty twenty six, that this is definitely a possibility and is
1: doable. Right? Oh, meaning they have the time to build the stadium and then well,
0: they have time to build the stadium, they have time to, to work out to get out of their to get out of their lease, which I think their lease technically runs through twenty thirty three, but there's some sort of out available sooner than that, right? So you all that said, you mentioned the potential for a could the Chicago potentially support another team. There used to be another team there, right? The Chicago Cardinals. Um, So, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, unheard of. And look at your two biggest markets. New York, Jets and Giants. Los Angeles, Rams and Chargers. So why can't the third biggest market have a second team? They could. So I, I, I don't see why they couldn't. Now, as a... Diehard Chicago Bears fan, right? I say hell no. I am all for moving out and and getting yourself a state of the art, beautiful, you know, stadium and everything else. But I do not want to see another team in the city of Chicago. Is it doable? Could it be supported? Yes, but I don't want it.
1: Wow. Well, there you go. The uh, city of Chicago may think differently there. No, well, T. Dog. So what? Ooh, damn. Don't care. Well, T. Dog has spoken, and I'm telling you right now, that is an oppor- That's a possibility. It's plausible. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's right. And there has been some talk about the owners of the the Chicago Bears actually selling the uh, the team, which is really kind of shocking. As yeah, I know you got Mama Bear, and she's like what 99 or something. And you have I the fam- four hundred and twelve run, and the family b- below it, the the multiple generations of families thinking, man, we can sell for five billion dollars, or whatever the number is, whatever crazy number is, and then we could just four hundred and thirty one billion run. What is it? No, no, I'm kidding. Just keep going. So, why would you interrupt me? I had a really good conversation going with myself. Anyways. <laughs> You have this. You have this. You know, multiple generations looking back, going, "Listen, we we have money. We we could. We have some money, and most of our money's tied up in the Chicago franchise. And here, we can just get paid cash, five billion dollars or whatever the number is. What kind of cash? And walk away straight cash. Dang, I wish I had that set up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's why I need buttons. You need. You need. I need. I need buttons too. Cash,
1: homie. That kind of that kind of cash, there and you and you know here's an opportunity to to basically take care of the next twenty generations of the McCaskies uh, with that kind of cash. The the Those downside, bastards. yeah, and the downside is, you know, they don't they don't own the Chicago Bears anymore. But what do they care? They got five billion dollars, and. Honestly, uh, heads will fly. Maybe the team goes a different route as soon as Mama Bear goes, and they start spending a little bit of figuring out how to spend some money. I don't know.
0: I am going to predict it. Here is what they're going to do: they're going to sell the Chicago Bears, and then they're going to form a new team and be that second team in Chicago. Ooh, the Chicago Staleys they are coming back. <laughs> so we're going to lose our—we're uh, going to lose our mascot. We're going to trade them to the Staley's.
1: Oh, the Chicago Staley's. Rock and roll. You heard it here first on Monday Morning Couch Potatoes. Tell you that. It's going to be amazing. You've been listening to Monday Morning Couch Potatoes. Visit our website at mondaymorningcouchpotatoes.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you are listening this podcast follow us on facebook and twitter at mm couch potatoes listening to this podcast doesn't make you any smarter than you already are the monday morning couch potato podcast is for general information purposes only thanks for listening get that finger out of your ear you don't know where that finger's been